Welcome to Is It Worth It, the self-worth podcast where we explore how different areas of our life affect our self-worth and how to build and maintain our sense of self-worth. My name is Roshni and I am a self-worth life coach. I help my clients discover their worth so they can stop holding back and start taking control of their lives full force. You can find my other free content under the name Betty Grew Up, that's B-E-T-I Grew Up, on Instagram and YouTube, and you can sign up for my free newsletter at BettyGrewUp.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Today I am talking about self-worth and identity. The title of this episode is From Party Girl to Personal Growth, and that really honestly kind of sums up my journey. Um, I was generally a good kid, but as I was graduating high school and as I got into college, I really kind of rebranded myself as like this party girl and like this crazy person and like this person who was super fun and like the thing that would make me happiest was you know finding or meeting all these people from different areas whether it was places I worked and my school and you know concerts or whatever and like bringing them together and like finding kind of the commonality in all of us and like I don't know I I was definitely like a hippie but I also loved just partying and celebrating other people and all of those kinds of things. And I guess deep down, I have always been a free spirit, even when I was more of like a quote unquote, like good girl, like in high school. So when I was finally able to move away from home and when I went to college, I didn't really want to be like this, like nerdy, you know, Indian girl or whatever. I wanted to just be something different and be someone who was fun. And like, I didn't want the obvious things about me to be what people saw in me. And I guess like a lot of that did come from like racism or just people's perception of me. Like I thought that, you know, when people saw me, they just thought that I was like this good obedient girl and like I didn't ever do anything wrong and that I wouldn't like stand up for myself and, you know, all these different things that people would like talk about when they generalize an Indian woman or an Asian woman and so a lot of that it's like I was directly fighting against that even if I wasn't like consciously realizing that and so I pretty much became the exact opposite and was like into partying and into being like making friends and was super social and you know even though I cared about like my studies I didn't put that at like the forefront of my personality and because my school also kind of had a similar identity my school was really small and it was all about you know work hard play hard like that was something that people talked about even when we were like prospective students and so that was just something that we were all familiar with and I really took that as and used that to inform my identity even more and so it all kind of created this personality where like I was carefree and I was fun and There were some good sides to that, but there were also some bad sides to that. Like carefree is only really a step away from being careless. And there were a lot of, I feel like, kind of mistakes I have or potentially, like I don't really choose to see these things as things that I regret because they did help me become the person that I am now. But, you know, in the moment or right after, there were a lot of things that I regretted, whether it was, you know, just partying too much or not really pushing myself to believe that I could do the things that I wanted to do and feeling kind of like that I had to compartmentalize myself. I think that was the hardest thing. Like I had to be a certain person with my parents and with my family. And then I had to be a different person around the people that I went to school with when I was partying and then a different person in class. And like, I really just became so many different 
people. And I think that was kind of like a people pleasing side of me as well. I, I tried to minimize the times that other people could confront me about things. I, that was like my biggest fear is like someone else getting mad at me or someone else yelling at me. And because I was terrified of that confrontation, I decided that the best possible thing I could do was assume what all these different people wanted from me and then if I just became that then my problems would go away and no one would ever be mad at me. When I was in a certain area I was a certain person and that was it and it wasn't even like I had to try it's just who I became after a while. So when I realized that partying didn't really serve me and it wasn't benefiting me and it actually was making me feel worse, I kind of slowly started to step away and it was about a year after that that I really started my personal growth journey and even, you know, not partying meant that I would wake up at an earlier time in the morning and that I didn't feel awful so I didn't feel like I had to spend my Saturdays in bed all day like nursing my hangover and then from there I felt like I could actually do things that were productive on the weekend which was my free time because school was so busy it already took up some of your weekend just doing homework and all of that and I had class every day so because of that there really wasn't there was only a few hours on weekdays that I could actually spend doing something productive that wasn't school or going to class or going to work. So my weekends really became my time when I got to know myself and I got to do fun crafts or, you know, sew my clothes in a new way or just do something fun that I enjoyed. And then from there, I kind of re grounded my identity in being able to enjoy other things that weren't just partying and socializing and then from there I actually kind of realized that I'm more of an introvert than I thought and before even though I knew that I had introverted tendencies and I'd probably called myself that before I still didn't really feel like a fear around socialization for the most part like there were definitely situations where I felt really socially anxious or I felt like I was awkward or not good enough but overall like I was happy being around the people that I was happy being around and like that was a lot of people my friend groups were really big and so for the most part even though there was a part of me that always felt awkward or like I was just weird for some reason I never I never necessarily use that to mean that I should stay away from people when I started to change and step away from that, I really gave myself space to kind of become who I wanted to be. Like I had only thought about myself as this is just who I am and this is what I have to deal with. Like this is just what I was given and I have to do the best I can, but I can't actually change who I am. Like who we are, especially in such an individualistic society that we live in, is everything. Like our identity has kind of been taught to us to be the essence of who we are and that we are nothing without our identity. And obviously your identity is a big part of who you are, but you actually do have the option and the possibility to change that. So when I started reading more about personal growth and looking into it more and finding resources like other podcasts and other just books or talks by spiritual leaders or TED Talks or whatever it was, this whole combination of things made me realize that I can change if I want to change and that they're actually, it can go so much further than just changing my habits, but I can actually change how I see myself. And when I change how I see myself, my actions and my habits will actually follow. And the actual idea of being someone that is capable of changing themselves became more of my identity than the party girl persona or whatever it was. So just being just knowing that made a huge difference. 
when I, you know, decided that I wanted to start a YouTube channel, like at first I thought it would be more DIY and yoga stuff and just kind of filming like the things that I like to do. But then I realized like I actually have so much more that I want to say and talk about. And when I was in college, like I would always try and search for, you know, was there like an Indian girl that talked about life that understood the third culture aspect of it? Or, you know, was there someone else my age that was talking about things that I'm going through? And like, I looked and looked and I couldn't find anyone. And that was what really inspired me to like be this voice and just be a person that is, that has an experience that you can relate to and also actually talk about that experience. And so that's when I decided that this is what I wanted to do. And during that time, I was so mortified and so embarrassed that people I actually knew in life would find my YouTube channel and would find my content or my blog. And I didn't tell anyone that I was doing this. I even like stopped posting on my personal Instagram account, started a new Instagram account for my business and just moved on from there so that I could, I could basically completely start over. I didn't have any of the same audience. I didn't have people looking at me and I built that following from the ground up. And it would have been so much easier if I let other people in or let people support me, but I really needed to like isolate myself in order to change as much as I wanted to change and just the thought of other people who knew me from more of my party girl days or knew like partied with me or you know did things like that with me and saw me that way I was so horrified that they could you know see me like try to reinvent myself and think that I was just stupid for doing that or think that you know I would, I would just always be a mess or that I was crazy or that, you know, I had finally like actually lost it this time. Like I thought so many negative things about myself and kind of projected that as other, as what other people's perception of me would be. It was honestly after about a year of doing YouTube that I was actually able to open myself up to tell some people. And even then it was like very curated. Like I would tell a couple people in my life, this is what I'm doing. And now I'm talking about it a little bit more. I still am like kind of fearful of posting on Facebook. I have a Facebook page and I post on that, but I don't really post on my actual newsfeed because there's still like somewhat of that fear in me that, you know, people will just think that I'm crazy. And I used to kind of have this like martyr aspect around academia. And I used to think that you have to get a PhD to do anything worthwhile in the world and that you have to, you know, work super, super hard for so many years and earn your right to have an opinion. And all these ideas that I used to had, I had to unlearn so much of that to think that I was even worth doing what I'm actually doing. And along that, along the way and along that journey, there were so many people that, you know, sometimes it would just trickle in like one person at a time would say, hey, this really helped me or, hey, you know, that was really good advice. I can actually really relate to that or you're doing great. Like I love, you know, seeing what you're doing. And a lot of those were from strangers and some of them were from people that I already knew. And even now I talk to people who are like, wow, you're actually really courageous to do what you're doing. Like I could never do that. And so I know that it is a fear that a lot of people have. It took me isolating myself and not telling anyone what I was doing for a year before I even got comfortable with it myself. And now, you know, turning on a camera, it's it's so much more natural than what it used to be because I created my identity around, you know, being someone that wants to be in front of the camera or is at least comfortable doing that and talking about vulnerable things. And when I was 16, I hated having my picture taken. Even when I was younger, there's like not that many pictures of me other than like yearbook pictures and official school pictures and like some that maybe my parents took. But in general, like there's not that many pictures of me as a kid or in middle school or even in high school because I hated being in front of the camera. I hated like 
I just thought that I was super ugly and I didn't like how I looked, especially when everyone in the media and everyone around me was like white with blonde hair and blue eyes. Like I looked like the opposite of that and I just hated it. And so even coming from that to where I am now, it's been nine years, but it's a complete 180. Like I take photographs of myself all the time. I'm on camera all the time. I'm recording my voice or recording videos. And it really is possible to change how you see yourself and even change how others see you. And now the idea of someone thinking that I'm ridiculous for doing what I'm doing or that life coaches are BS or crazy or whatever, like I now know that that's not true because I've worked with coaches that have actually helped me. I've actually helped my clients and seen changes in them. And I used to think, you know, going back to the martyrdom and academia idea of like everything having to be so hard and having to earn your right to say things, I just thought that I wasn't educated enough to have an opinion. But when I started talking and when I started putting my ideas out there or just sharing some advice or some of the things that I've learned, so many people responded well and said that, you know, they learned something too or that this is exactly what they're going through. And so I realized that all of that is just ways that we stop ourselves from reaching our full potential. And of course, there is nothing wrong with going to school or, or, you know, getting a PhD. But I realized that I didn't have to use that as an excuse to not do what I'm doing now. It's also important to note that your identity gives you comfort, right? Like you chose your identity for a certain reason. And it could also be because other people reinforce that identity in you. A lot of the times with parents' expectations and cultural expectations and just what we're supposed to be doing, that choice, what we want our identity to be as children is kind of taken from us. I'm going to use really basic examples. One example is like, say, you know, someone is an athlete. Like I grew up in Texas and so it's definitely like Southern. There's definitely like a huge love of football and all of that. And that was really, you know, pronounced through my state, through my high school, through my suburb, through parents. And so if someone if, if you were a boy and you had an, an athletic gift, then you were really pushed to pursue that, especially if it was football. So if someone is, you know, five years old and they are good at like t-ball and football and whatever other sports their parents enroll them in, then they become really encouraged to follow that. And that kind of becomes who they are. And then on top of that, there's like media stereotypes and ideas within the culture of football that are strongly reinforced, right? So you have to be a certain kind of guy or you have to have a girlfriend or you have to be more tough and you probably aren't like allowed to show your super sensitive side. And, you know, things have evolved over time, but especially in the early 2000s, like this is what it was. And so from a young age of being five or six, you could be forced into this kind of role over time that you didn't necessarily even sign up for. And Because of that, because of the attention that you got and the positive reinforcement that you got for participating and playing that societal role, you felt loved, right? You felt like you had attention. You felt like people would stay around you and liked to be around you or could easily understand you. So then over time, you also tell yourself, I am a guy that plays football. I am this kind of tougher guy and I don't have to have like a sensitive side and I should have a girlfriend and I should have, you know, whatever else goes along with that culture and that idea of yourself. And again, it's that human need for love and attention that really connects you and binds you to that idea. And so it can actually also happen in the opposite way where 
say you're like a nerd and you got bullied a lot in school, right? So you were told that you were different and you were told that, you know, how you were wasn't acceptable. And so because of that, over time, you ended up withdrawing from social contact a little bit and you kind of isolated yourself more and you didn't have a lot of friends and it wasn't that there wasn't maybe a few other people in school or whatever that you could identify with or talk to but it was also the idea that social interaction was scary and social interaction was negative so because of that you chose to stay in your own lane and kind of isolate yourself more and be who you were in your own little bubble and that was still because you want love and attention, right? No one wants to be bullied. No one wants to feel like they are othered or that they are too different to connect with anyone else. And so instead of putting yourself out there and facing that rejection over and over again, it actually helps you more to stay in your bubble and kind of confine to yourself and let people think that you're weird from a distance, but at least they're not coming up to you and bullying you or rejecting you or not showing up to your birthday party or whatever it is. And so you can be forced into an identity because of so much positive reinforcement and you can also be forced into an identity because of negative reinforcement. And the thing is, like, you shouldn't blame yourself or get angry with yourself for what your identity was or who you feel like you have to be now. It served you along the way. Your identity served you for some reason and that's why you stuck to it and that's why you told yourself that that's who you are over and over Limiting beliefs actually play a huge role in our identity and in how we see ourselves and limiting beliefs are essentially the thoughts and belief systems that we have that are limiting us or stopping us from achieving things and I didn't really understand what they were or know much about them but when I learned about them I started thinking about all of the limiting beliefs that I held so a lot of that had to do with Um, not having a lot of money when I was younger or always having to work for just a little bit of money and being surrounded by people who had more. So I said things like, I'm broke a lot of the time or I can't afford that or I don't have money for that. And that ended up becoming part of my identity, right? And so it's the same thing for any other thoughts or limiting beliefs that you have, whether it's I'm going to be single forever or I'm never going to find the right person or if I am, everyone that I like or date will end up cheating on me. And even with careers, like I'll never get to a certain level or, you know, there's too many barriers in place for me to get there. Like we all have thoughts and there are actual societal barriers, but just because those exist doesn't mean that people haven't overcome them before. And so how much does it really serve you to keep saying that to yourself? Because once that becomes a narrative that you're comfortable with, you're going to find it easier to just stay in the lines of that box that you've created for yourself and stay within those limits. A lot of this is a slow process. Things aren't going to happen overnight, but changing your mindset around these ideas is really, really important. And it's also the first step in being able to push past a lot of these limits that you set for yourself. At the end of the day, even if there are limits that come up in your life, or even if you lose a great job or whatever the situation is, it's different when something like that happens to you, but you still believe that the right thing is coming or that there's a better position out there for you. That is still better than telling yourself that you're never going to get x y and z or that if you have it you're going to mess it up or you're going to lose it because that's just you stopping yourself it's not you having a positive attitude towards whatever life hands you and making the best of it and pushing yourself to do better it's you drawing these limits for yourself that stop you from even trying in the first place 
But it's important to realize that a change in identity can actually increase your sense of self-worth and your sense of self-love. So if there is something that you want to change about yourself or there's something that doesn't necessarily serve you, like that's fine. That's your decision to make. But the reason that changing that and accepting that can actually increase your sense of self-worth and self-love is that First of all, you're doing it for yourself, right? You're saying, this is who I am. This is what makes me happy. And I don't care if it doesn't fit into someone else's box of what's normal or acceptable. I'm going to be who I am regardless. And it's up to them whether the, whether they choose to understand me or not. And also, you realize that you are more than your identity, right? Like if you stop identifying as a jock, you'll still exist. You'll still be there. You will still be sitting there and you just chose not to identify yourself as a jock. It's not like you disappear into thin air. And so that's another point that's really important because when you you realize that there's more to you than how other people see you and how you are painted into a certain picture. And when you realize that you're more than that, you love the core of who you are, which is your soul, which is like who you are regardless of the decisions you make. And And so in that same respect, you know, you can love yourself without an identity. You can love yourself and realize that you are more than, you know, how you've been taught to think about yourself. And you also realize that when you do change your identity, not only do you love yourself at your core, but you also realize that you can become the person that you want to be. You don't have to sit here and say, I'm always such a mess. I'm always so flustered. I'm always like a wreck and I can't be on time and I can't be organized. No, you realize that you actually have the power to change that. And yeah, it's going to be more work. Yeah, it's going to be hard sometimes, but you can do that. And so instead of beating yourself up and being hard on yourself, instead of sticking to the narrative that, oh, that's just who I am. And it's just what I do, like, I'm just the late flaky person. Like, no, you actually can change that. And that's the scary part is because that involves work. That involves intention and habit and practice and admitting when you're wrong. And that's what a lot of people don't want to do. So they would rather think these negative things about them because it's easy and because it's familiar rather than actually do the hard work of changing them, but then becoming a person that they're more proud of. But when you get to the other side of that, or you're in the process of that, you realize that you really do love yourself because you can be whoever you want to be. And something else that I realized kind of happened when I went from being a party girl to uh, someone that was interested in personal growth and into a life coach, I realized that A lot of that was kind of done out of anger and out of pain. Like I was like, I'm not this person anymore. I don't want to be this person. It was almost like that side of me died and I became this new person. And there were so many things that when I was in college, like I loved dancing. Like I was all about dancing and I grew up being an actual dancer, like doing ballet and things like that. But in college, like it was more dancing at parties and just having fun and getting weird and like doing all of that. Like that was a big part of my college culture was just dancing around like a freak and not caring what anyone thought. And that was like some of the times in my life where I felt the most alive. And when I cut off that party girl persona of myself, I cut off the good parts too. And I honestly didn't realize that until like a couple of weeks ago when, you know, I was looking at like some old pictures on Facebook and I realized like there were actually a lot of good sides to myself before that as well. And I just cut off everything. And now like 
it's more awkward for me to dance or I don't usually dance in public like I would before or like I just felt awkward doing it and that wasn't me at all just a couple of years ago. So I realized that there was a lot of me that I actually did cut off completely and now looking back there were some positive sides of myself that I'm kind of in the process of like reintegrating into who I am now. And there was kind of like this idea in my head where, okay, if I want to be a life coach and if I want to be this person that's like on camera and that's, you know, more of like a public like figure or someone that puts myself out there, because of that, I have to be professional and I have to be PC all the time and I have to not say anything wrong. And like, obviously I don't want to give bad advice or say anything that is like wrong in that sense, but I felt like I kind of had to be perfect and buttoned up. And that's something that I'm also unlearning as well. It's like the whole point of me creating this brand and this podcast and my YouTube channel was so that I could actually be relatable. And so if I'm like perfectly buttoned up and professional, no one who is like that all the time is actually that relatable. We all let our hair down sometimes and feel a little more loose and we're not like our professional versions of ourselves 24 seven. And so I realized that like I cut off a lot of the fun sides of myself or a lot of the more carefree side of myself and kind of become became someone that was more like laced up and rigid. And so now I'm kind of in the process of reintegrating those two sides of myself and allowing myself to really take the best of both worlds and discard anything else that doesn't serve me. So it doesn't serve me to be, you know, stiff all the time. And it also doesn't serve me to be drunk every weekend. So between those two, those are two separate parts of my identity at different phases in my life that I realized don't serve me. And now I can find a better middle ground. So changing your identity is an ongoing process. But because I've already realized that I am a person who can change, that helps me feel less stress and less cognitive dissonance around reintegrating these two parts of my personality. And something that you may not always expect is, you know, a change in friendships or a change in the people that are surrounding you. But when you're really in this journey and you start changing for the better, that honestly, at some point kind of becomes trivial. And the thing is, if you have these habits and parts of yourself that aren't serving you in your life, and you choose that it's better for you if you change them, then what your good friends will do is stick by your side anyway. And what bad friends or people that weren't really there for you will do is end up kind of filtering out of your life and this happened to me but there really weren't very many like ugly headbutting type moments or major fights it kind of just happens over time and what's interesting too is that on this journey and as I started to open up about other people open up to other people about what I'm doing and being into personal growth and being into life coaching I've made so many connections with a ton of new people, but I've also reconnected with a lot of people in my life from the past. And a lot of them have been like, oh, wow, what you're doing is so cool. Like, I'd love to talk to you about it bo- about it more. Or um, just starting a conversation with me about, you know, something I said that struck them. And from there, you know, we've really been able to like rebuild major relationships. So I think I have more friends and actually way better friends than what I had before. And even in my situation specifically with like partying, if I stop partying and the people around me in my life don't really care to stay in my life, it's because they 
just want to keep partying and you can do that with anyone else. Like if there's destructive habits, you can do that with anyone. It's not about who you are specifically that is drawing you and those people together. So that's the most important thing for you to remember is that it's really about what is serving you. And when you're acting in alignment and you're acting in your highest honor, everything else will fall into place. And there's a couple other things that I wanted to touch on. So I did actually get um, a couple of requests, one to talk about identity in the workplace and another to talk about identity and culture. So if there are topics that you would like to request for me or um, things that you just want me to mention, let me know. The best way to do that is through Instagram. So I occasionally post either polls or little Q&A boxes on my Instagram story, or you can just send me a DM anytime. So you can find me on Instagram at B-E-T-I grew up. So starting with identity in the workplace, there's kind of two things that I want to say. And one is that, you know, depending on how professional your workplace is and how much you're really supposed to bring your whole self into work, just remember that you don't have to be your full identity 100% of the time for that to still be your identity. And I actually saw on Instagram someone um, making a video about how they're a lab researcher during the day and at night they're like a go-go dancer basically. And they have like these two opposite things that most people wouldn't think coexist into one person, but we are multifaceted, multidimensional people. So just because you have interests in other things that may not relate to the workplace or whatever, you don't have to stress about bringing that into the workplace because it's still you. Like you can still have these kind of separate parts of your personality and your identity just because you don't portray that or don't engage in, you know, a certain interest that you have or something like that for a few days or for a week or from nine to five every day, that doesn't mean that that part of you goes away. So I did want to say that. And then the second thing that I wanted to mention is just kind of the idea of alter ego. So when you hear alter ego, you probably think that it's really negative or like something weird that like only spies do. But there is actually a way of, you know, integrating this into the life of a normal everyday person. And what you can do in this situation is that, you know, you're probably not giving major presentations every single day. Even public speakers have, you know, time in between events or weekends or times that they don't work. So so if there is a side of you that's capable of doing that, that can be kind of like an alter ego, like the person that you are when you know you have to give a presentation or you're at an all-day or multi-day conference or you're um you know doing something along those lines so it's okay to kind of have these different parts of your identity that maybe you can't be 24 7 because it would just be exhausting but you can bring that to the forefront of your personality when you need it and so it's not about being like unhealthy or being like completely different versions of yourself or, you know, closing part of yourself off. It's just what trait of myself that I already have is going to serve me best in this situation, right? And so that's something else that you can really think about um, because we have times where we are in front of crowds and we're able to speak and we're able to do all these things, but we also have days when we sit in bed and watch Netflix all day and that doesn't mean that either one of you is the full scope of who you are. We all have sides to ourselves and it's okay to balance that. And the second request was talking about culture and identity. So I'm Indian and I'm just going to talk about, you know, my experience being Indian, but 
hopefully you can relate to to this on some level, no matter what your background is. But basically, I really struggled with feeling like I wasn't Indian enough or feeling like I was too Indian. And this obviously happens. I mean, I, I grew up in America. And so within like a white suburb, I was considered too Indian and not able to fit in. But then whenever I went to Kenya or um, I talked to family from India, they always told me how American I was. And so I constantly felt like I couldn't win with either one. Because of that, there was always kind of a dichotomy. And one of the most powerful things that I actually learned in college was the idea that I am what I am. And nothing that I do that's a habit or an action is is going to take that away from me. So, you know, a lot of times in the Indian community, you're pretty much taught to go to be a doctor or to be a lawyer or to do something, you know, along those lines. That's kind of like a proven, stable career. And for me, you know, what I'm doing now, like it is sort of in the wellness sphere and a lot of, you know, Indian culture does have to do with wellness, but it's not like a traditional path that most Indian immigrant parents would try and push you down. But just because this is what I choose to do as a career doesn't mean doesn't make me any less Indian, right? And so there's kind of a point where cultural identity becomes like a box of requirements, becomes a series of requirements that you need to fulfill. But whether you do or don't, that doesn't actually change your culture or your background. And culture is dynamic, right? Culture is always changing. What Indians were like and what they did in their culture 200 years ago, while we might still have some of the same festivals and, you know, celebrations and things like that, it's still different. It still looks completely different, even with things like technology. And like now WhatsApp is like a staple of the Indian community. But you know, things like that change how we talk to each other and change how we act around each other. And because of that, you know, it it shows you that culture literally is dynamic. So even if older generations are saying, you know, you need to do X, Y, and Z because that's what a good Indian man does. That's what a good Indian woman does. It's still your choice to decide if that's what you want to do. And by more people choosing to be their authentic selves and choosing what career they want to go after or what, you know, lifestyle they want to have or, um, you know, who they want to love or whatever it is, by making those authentic choices, you are inherently changing the cultural dynamic. And when you look at India, there are so many like huge Indian fashion designers. There's so many huge Indian actors and Indian filmmakers and people doing creative things. And so just because, you know, people say, it's this path or, you know, you're just not going to be successful. Like it's up to you to decide, is that a challenge that you're willing to take on? And once you really do something that lights you up, like everything else will, trust me, fall into place. It's not a reflection of you if other people think that not being a doctor is a failure, right? Like that's still a perception that they have. And at the end of the day, if you're happy and you feel alive going to work every day and you know that you were meant to do something different and so you've gone after it and you've done it and you just love your life, then that's not going to bother you. What other people say about you isn't going to get to you because you know that at the end of the day, you're happy and your life is exactly what you want it to be. So it's up to you to decide how seriously are you going to take other people's opinions? Is it actually worth changing your entire life and doing something that you're not passionate about and feeling like you let your own life slip you by because you wanted so badly to fit into these requirements? And 
as culture changes and as more people choose to be their authentic selves and to pursue different things and to show what a different version of an Indian person will look like, the actual culture of Indian people will change. Your culture will not be taken away from you because you made a choice about who you authentically are. Yes, you might be looked at as different, but again, if you're happy, then that's something that won't really affect you to your core because you know that you're doing the right thing for yourself and you know that you feel alive every single day. Following that is actually something that's going to cause major cultural shifts over time and will allow more and more people to do that. Because the thing is, there probably are so many people that were kind of pushed into these roles because they felt like they didn't have an option. But you always have an option. You always have a choice in your life. And even if you think that you're going to lose some people along the way, like I said with friends, that might happen, but wouldn't you rather have people in your life that are more genuinely aligned with what you're doing and that are actually there for you and will listen to you on the bad days? And the thing is what kind of frustrates me about Indian culture sometimes is that a lot of these people will have really loud opinions, but then if you're having a bad day or if you've come across a hardship, a lot of the times they're nowhere to really be found. And again, I don't want to generalize, but this has been an experience that I've had and that I've seen is that a lot of the times they'll want you to do something, but if something doesn't work out, even on that journey that they so badly wanted you to go on, it isn't something that they want to keep encouraging you and pushing you to do. And once you do choose something or take on something that they've wanted for you, there's always something else. It doesn't just stop at one thing. It doesn't stop when you're a doctor or when you're a lawyer. It moves on to when you're getting married and who you're getting married to and when you're having kids and how many you're having and how you're going to raise them. And it like it never ends. So it's up to you to decide when you want to put a stop to it and when you want to claim that control over your own life. So if there is anything that I mentioned in this episode that you want help with or guidance on, or if you're struggling with self-doubt, procrastination, or limiting beliefs in any area of your life, I am now offering 60-minute one-on-one coaching intensives. I am so excited about this offer. It will take place on Skype or Zoom, whichever is easiest for you. And this one-time intensive is priced at $99.99 or two payments of $49.99. It includes follow-up resources from me as well, like a personalized document of all the tools, journaling prompts, and breakthrough ideas we talked about in our session, and even a personalized video for me sharing encouraging words that you can replay long after our session is over. You can find out more and sign up at bettygrewup.com slash services. That is B-E-T-I grewup.com forward slash services. And I will also leave that link in the show notes. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. I love you. Have a safe week and happy healing.